Hello and welcome to Hawkeye Nation. This is Hotcast, your Iowa football, basketball, and recruiting podcast brought to you by Go Iowa Awesome and Rivals.com. I'm your recruiting analyst and host, Elliot Clough, at Elliot Clough on Twitter, joined by publisher Adam Jacoby and managing editor Ross Binder. As always, no game to preview going into this weekend as it is a bye week, but you might be thinking this is becoming a Noah Shannon podcast for the sheer amount of times we've had to talk about him and his suspension, along with all the betting things that happened this offseason, allegations, what have you. But as if not only Noah Shannon, but the Iowa fan base needed another kick in the nuts, they got one just about half an hour ago, I believe it was, per Nicole Auerbach of is our back, our Bach, I don't know, of the Athletic. The Division I Council Coordination Committee delayed its vote on proposals for changes to student-athlete reinstatement guidelines related to sports wagering violations for two weeks. So what we believed the timeline to be for Noah Shannon, once things kind of changed with the NCAA, they were going to consider changing the penalties for these sports wagering violations. We believe the timeline to be his possible return more than likely Against the game or on the game for the game against Northwestern in Chicago in a couple weeks. And now that is pushed back to November 11th against Rutgers. So Adam Ross and I all had a brief conversation about it on uh, Slack, and we're all kind of collectively thinking this is stupid. Adam, you're going to write about it. Go ahead. Yeah, this is uh, the. The headline that I'm going to have for this article is that the gut punch parade continues for Iowa fans because that's what this is. And and to have it come on the heels of what really feels like for Iowa fans, like they're going to feel like there's been a miscarriage of justice regardless of what the NCAA did with Noah Shannon today, right? Between how the Big Ten has handled the Cooper DeGene um punt return slash invalid signal and in the extent to which the big 10 went out of its way to say no 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 the process was good when there isn't a single iowa fan that believes that they've had to hear from the governor that everything was good about the investigation that led to these suspensions in the first place and again nobody believes that not even uh you know from iowa or iowa state's fan base and there are so many questions about the basic validity of the investigation to begin with that to hear the person who, you know, the elected official who represents everybody in the state of Iowa say, yep, all that was good. And uh, everyone was just doing their jobs. That's not going to be satisfactory for Iowa state and Iowa fans too. And then this on top of that, and on top of all of the bad luck, that has befallen the football team. I mean, I, I can't remember a more star-crossed six and two team than this one. Not at Iowa, just in college football, in the Big Ten. I can't remember just gut punch after gut punch after gut punch. And again, on a six and two team. So I think Iowa fans have every right to feel betrayed about what the NCAA has done. I think the the Shannon family absolutely has a, a right to feel betrayed about all of this. And and I say all that without a but coming. Uh, there, there is no but. 
you should feel betrayed if if you're invested in this Iowa football program in any way, shape, or form as a fan, as a player, as a family member. You should feel upset about this because this is it is really, really, really hard to see how this is fair in any way, shape, or form to Noah Shannon or any of the other affected athletes. It's very difficult to see that. And nothing that the NCAA has provided other than member institutions need two more weeks for feedback. Like, what are they doing? Walking it to Indianapolis? Like, it's it's ridiculous. And and it it really requires so much more explanation than we've gotten and that we are going to get. And that is it's boy it's really really hard to justify that in my mind uh ross any thoughts on your part about anything from the last i don't know half an hour 45 minutes i mean there is no justification because it's just bureaucracy at work like they're not going to explain what's happening because they can't or won't and no explanation would be you know satisfactory like What's the explanation? We need two more weeks for feedback. I mean, that's ludicrous. They've had weeks to solicit feedback. So, you know, it's just it's an absurd decision because we know where they're going. We know what they're going to do. And every every indication is that, you know, they're reconsidering their, uh, you know, the the rules around uh, gambling and reinstatement. uh, And they're going to amend them to something more sensible, which is good. But they're doing it in <clears throat> in such a, you know, long-winded way. And, you know, Noah Shan is now going to be missing, that would be nine games. So that's 75% of, of his uh, senior season, I write, I think. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Out of math. And, and, so, and missing them, sorry, but but just, just so we're clear on this, missing them, so he can wait for the NCAA to say that he shouldn't have been suspended at all, right? So, so they can retroactively grant him the um, eligibility that he's increasingly not going to be able to use. That's just just want to be clear about that, right? Right. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. No, no. I mean, you're absolutely right. It, it's just a complete, you know, bureaucratic pretzel of you know inane logic that isn't there. That you know, we're gonna. And they don't think they're punishing Noah Shannon, but they are because, you know, he has so few games remaining in his career. And obviously the other players that are affected as well, you know, there are other athletes too. And, and, you know, taking games away from them just for no good reason, other than the NCAA can't do this, you know, now they have to wait two weeks to do something that, the the, the, the decision is going to be the same in two weeks as it would be today. So, you know, what's the holdup? You know, I, I have several things to say regarding this whole situation regarding feedback. What, what are we, what are we doing right now? Us three. We're on a zoom call. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, yeah. that's right. Where, where you can offer thoughts. Some might call them feedback. Right. <laughs> How damn hard is that to schedule with these bureaucrat know-it-all something or others? I had a word in my mind that I'm not going to say. <laughs> and so and, go ahead, Adam. 
here's the problem with what happens when the NCAA only shares information like, oh, we're, we're going to wait for more institutional or, or member feedback. When that's all that you give people, that's an incomplete picture and you're leaving it up to their imagination to fill in the rest of the blanks. And people's imagination about college athletics is an absolute insane place to be. And, and I'm not saying that to be judgmental of college football fans because it goes for all sports fans and really all people who are looking for an explanation about an institution that they don't really have a whole lot of insight in, right? Like there, there, there's nothing wrong with that, but you are, you're leaving them to fill in the blanks and imaginations have this incredible way of finding the darkest territory possible. So I could be sitting here, you know, or, you know, Joe Hawkeye could be sitting there in Marion or Cedar Rapids or what have you. And he could have the idea that Shannon's eligibility just got delayed more because Northwestern, like, like somebody in the Northwestern athletic department said, Oh, if we say that we've got more questions, we can keep them off the field, right? And nothing about what the NCAA has given to fans, especially Iowa fans and Iowa State fans, has led them to believe that that idea, like, and, and that's one of so many different scenarios that somebody could concoct. And, and some of these scenarios are going to be even more unhinged than that. When the NCAA doesn't give information that would disprove any of that, or or at or or at the very least lead people to understand why any of this happened, and not even so much as a cursory, hey, sorry, affected athletes, but our process takes longer, then what it looks like to fans, especially ones as invested as Iowa fans are, what it looks like is this is the NCAA working as intended. That what the bureaucrats really want is Noah Shannon to not get back on the field, right? Like what they really want is to jerk him around for the rest of his eligibility to making, to make an example out of him. People can believe that. And the NCAA has not done enough to earn that benefit of the doubt that they're not just jerking him around. And that's a really, really tough place to put a fan base, especially a fan base that again, just went through this with the with the Big Ten and the refereeing decision and is you know, really going through a whole lot in terms of what has befallen the, the football program this year, right? Meet the fan base. It doesn't even have to be halfway. Meet the fan base 10% of the way so they don't have to react so negatively to something like this. Give them something more than uh, we've delayed our decision, right? Because it's it's one thing to delay a decision. Okay, I do that all the time. It's another when somebody's eligibility is rapidly running out and this somebody is very important and ev all parties involved basically understand that this was not a suspension-worthy uh transgression and like ever like that that's an accepted fact at this point and what are we doing why why is this still happening 
this is, as Kurt Ferentz has said so many times, this could have been resolved in May. This, this doesn't have to be happening in October and now going into November. This doesn't have to be happening like this. And the longer it keeps happening like this, the more it's going to look to Iowa fans that this is supposed to be what's happening and that the NCAA is actually just fine and dandy with this. And until the NCAA proves otherwise, you just sort of have to believe that. And that's 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 a real punch in the gut. You have to hope that they've given some sort of explanation as to the, the delay to Noah Shannon and to Kirk Ferentz. They're not only not giving it to us, but you have to hope that they're giving it to the people that are affected. And what this is, at least from 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 my vantage point in this moment, is saying you made a mistake as a 22-year-old, 23-year-old, whatever he was, made a mistake. Now we're going to screw with your mind. We're not just going to screw away your eligibility, throw it down the toilet, we're going to give you hope that you're going to be able to come back at a certain date. Oh, never mind. Oh, never mind. What the hell is that? And from an organization that claims to put student athletes first, my ass, my ass. I, Are you uh, kidding me? Once again, a, one more little spoiler alert here, but that little snippet from their original statement when they when they first announced that they were going to revisit this the little thing about putting student athlete um, welfare first. Oh, that, that is absolutely leading what I'm writing today because, and, and we called it from the jump. We said, Hey, look, if this is really what it's about, let them play immediately, figure out the eligibility later. We said that from the get go, the NCAA didn't do anything like that. And now here we are with the can kick down the road once again. And every, I, I don't want to say we saw it coming because you know, nobody was here predicting like, oh, yeah, by the way, this is right. Like nowhere on the radar was it the NCAA is going to push this two weeks. Right. But it's also the NCAA. It's also bureaucracy. So like I'm about a five on in terms of like how surprised I really am by this. I'm at about a five. I'm disappointed way more than a five because Noah Shannon is caught in the middle of this for I mean, like a bet, right? Like a, a bet on a completely different sport for something that no party involved thinks merits that punishment. Because if the NCAA really did think that that was an appropriate punishment, then they wouldn't have gone through this whole step of like, oh yeah, by the way, we're, we're not going to, right? So this is all, it's leaving fans in a place of so much uncertainty about everything except for the fact that Noah Shannon's welfare is not being looked after. That's the only certainty of all of this is that nobody at the NCAA, none of these bureaucrats actually give one damn about Noah Shannon. It's too bad that it has to take something like this to make it so overt and obvious. Like at, at this point, there's no arguing otherwise. Because to to kick the can down the road two more weeks without without an I'm sorry, without a you can go ahead and play, but just understand that there might be, you know, a uh, an after the fact um, vacating the games or, or what have you like. That's one thing. But 
there isn't a bone being thrown to Shannon or his family or or anything. And yet, I mean, Elliot, you're right. It. I really hope the NCAA has given something to his family and to Kirk and to the to the program. Every time that Kirk has talked about this process, he's saying that they haven't been getting anything from them. So I'm not going to hold my breath on that front either. And again, that's too bad that they just keep getting left in the lurch like this with no explanation. That's that's such a shortcoming on the NCAA's part. You know what else this is? It's a third example of the NCAA clearly being told that they're wrong, changing a determination or changing a, de- a decision, i.e. Noah Shannon, he gets this whole year suspension. Then they say, okay, we're going to look at it. And then they say, here's the date. And then they say, oh, never mind. We're going to kick it down the road a little bit more. You know what else? This this exact same thing happened to Tez Walker from North Carolina. He was denied his eligibility for the whole season. And then people came out, were outraged, justifiably sh- so, should have been outraged because it was a stupid decision. And then they gave him his eligibility back. But what they did is that they said North Carolina failed to provide information to us previously. So not only, not only do they come out and make these stupid decisions, they say it's your fault. Yeah. What? And this is, oh my God, it's petty BS. Are you kidding me? And we're again, we are talking about the livelihoods of 22-year-olds. This is a joke. Every person who's upset, especially Noah Shin and especially Kirk Ferentz, have every single freaking right to be. I uh, the there, There's one thing that I'm waiting for more than pretty much anything at this point. And that's the fact that today's Wednesday evening, which means it's Hawk Talk Day, which means unless they've canceled it for the bye week, and I haven't checked whether or not they are, but if Kirk's going to be on mic with Gary Dolphin in the immediate aftermath of the NCAA announcing this, oh, Lord, like it, it's going to make the last time or what was it? I guess it was three weeks ago at this point. It's going to make that look like Mr. Rogers like this. This is going to be double barrel. This, this is going to if Kirk is actually going to be on the radio tonight. And again, I, I haven't checked with the bye week to see if that's the case. If he is, it's going to make his presser after the Minnesota game look like an episode of Mr. Rogers. And he was daring the NCAA or or the Big Ten to find him at that point, overtly daring them. Now, I mean, it's we're going to get full DGAF Kirk again if if they're recording today. And and (laughs) if not, the next time we hear from him, it's not going to be pleasant. I'm just going to tell you guys that right now. I'm currently looking to see. It looks like there is no show today, tonight, Adam. <laughs> I looked it up on uh, Hawkeye Sports. No show because of the bye week. So that, that is unfortunate because we would have definitely gotten some unfiltered uh, Kirk thoughts on this ridiculous decision, which uh, would have been nice to hear. Actually, that, uh, that might be for the best just because it otherwise might get the, like, Iowa official podcast feed demonetized. Like, <laughs> it's not going to be nice things said by Kirk. 
in, in the wake of this. And let alone, like you said, after what happened uh, against Minnesota and the Big Ten officiating uh, body doubling down on that, man, I, I, I mean, I'd like to, I'd love to see him let it rip. What did he say? Uh, the one <laughs> moment when he said something about it being an interesting call, he goes, "Oh, that probably wasn't vague enough." Screw it. <laughs> yeah. We get, we get something better than that, I think. Um, but, uh, not a whole lot to do about that for, well, a couple more weeks and we will update you and talk about it as things hopefully actually progress at some point in time with, uh, the Noah Shannon ruling and the NCAA regarding the betting violations. Now we do have a little bit more time left on this Thursday, Wednesday slash Thursday edition of Hawkcast here brought to you by Iowa.Rivals.com and, We're going to talk a little bit about the remaining schedule for your Iowa football Hawkeyes. Of course, Northwestern at Wrigley Field coming up here November 4th after the bye week, followed by Rutgers at home November 11th, Illinois at home November 18th, and then Nebraska away. Oh, I was getting those dates. Oh, did I get them wrong? I got them right. What the heck? Okay. November 24th at Nebraska. Sorry. Reading, talking at the same time. (laughs) Brain fart. Anyway, uh, a lot of football left despite uh, the the feelings of things really. I mean, well, it is coming down to it now now that I'm talking about it. Four games, regular season games left, and then potentially the Big Ten Championship in Indianapolis on Saturday, December 2nd. Well, um, as we look forward, one thing I did – prior to the start of the podcast is I looked at the ability of these teams there to, to run the ball that Iowa will be facing, assuming they are without Noah Shannon, at least in this Northwestern game. And that's going to not exactly be a concern. When you look at Noah Shannon, when you look at the one tech position that is so much focused on the run game, plugging holes and preventing them from getting going Northwestern, luckily for Iowa ranked dead last in rushing, um, in the conference, the only team in the conference below three yards per carry. So that's good <laughs> for the guys. Yeah, that'll be nice, especially with the uh, the last two games that the Hawkeyes had to play against teams like Minnesota and Wisconsin. Like those, they've got some big boys up front. And Iowa held its own against Wisconsin, which was uh, promising to see. A little bit less so against Minnesota. And so I think that that says something about the Gophers and and about the way P.J. Fleck builds his programs and also says a little bit about how Wisconsin sort of backslid physically a little bit under Paul Christ recently. That all said, Iowa is going to be very, very thankful that and, and, you know, even Northwestern, part of the reason for the lack of their success is just because they're going up against big 10 teams every single week. And, and, and so would they be averaging under three yards a rush if they're in the PAC 12 or the big 12? It probably not probably, but we also don't know that, know that for sure, because <laughs> that's not a good team there in Evanston this year. The problem is Iowa is also not good enough to take any of these games for granted. And as long as that offense is still in the doldrums, that's just going to continue to be the case. So six and six wouldn't surprise me. 10 and two wouldn't surprise me. Anything in between would not surprise me. 
Okay, six and six might surprise me. Say, yeah. a, a little bit. Hold the phone. <laughs> yeah. Okay, six and six is not plausible, much less probable. But it is, you know, if the offense continues to go, get worse, if Iowa, if the way that the coaches respond to the offense is to keep making it easier to defend, which Hawkeye Game Film essentially made that case on Twitter today, um, saying that when the offense starts to get in a little bit of a negative rut what they do is they take out the motion they take out the reads right they 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 condense and simplify it well who likes that better than opposing defenses right and and it's it's counterintuitive especially to an old school coach like i don't know kirk ference but that sort of dynamic if that continues against a defense like northwesterns or or like um well, no, Rutgers actually has a good defense. But you know what I mean? Like, it's it's going to make it easier for opposing defenses if team or if Iowa keeps doing that and if the coaches keep doubling down on it. So I don't think Iowa's going to lose its next four games, especially with how close it came to beating Minnesota. And, and a whole lot of people say should have beaten Minnesota. Really, really, really should have that W. Really should be 7-1. and one. Yeah, like I think I was going to win a few more games, but again, you can't take that for granted. And, and let's let's now have to throw in the fact that Noah Shannon isn't going to be able to pop in to help against Northwestern, and we don't know when he will be able to to pop in and help. There's right, like that's uncertainty that Iowa has to navigate that these guys didn't expect to have to navigate 24 hours ago. So all of this uncertainty is just throwing how the season's going to end up into the air even more. And, you know, we'll see, but there's so many different ways that this can end up. And I don't think a whole lot of them are implausible other than tanking the rest of the season. That's about it. That's the only thing that I would say is not plausible. You know what else is implausible at this point? Seeing Joe Labus play quarterback. <laughs> uh, no matter what. Uh, Ross, when you look at the remainder of the schedule, what do you think? Where, where are the Hawkeyes going to be come four weeks from now? I mean, Adam compared the offense to the doldrums, and I think that's offensive to doldrums. <laughs> uh, if, if we're being honest, I mean, th- this is the worst power five offense we've seen in decades and we thought that last year but somehow it's even even worse this year so i mean i think what he said what adam said is right like with that offense there's just no margin of error every single game the potential is there for disaster i.e a loss um i don't think it's you know likely that they're going to lose all four no i mean the defense is is very good the special teams are really good. Uh, the offense should be able to do enough, uh, you know, to get some more wins. But the offense—I just can't get past how how bad the offense is and how much it struggles to just move the ball and get first downs and even possess the ball for long enough to give the defense more than thirty seconds on the sideline to you know refresh and get back out there. And that just all adds up. Like, this bye week is great. The defense needs that as much as anyone on that team, I would say. 
just to rest and, you know, get recharged for that final four game stretch. So, you know, if you put a gun to my head, which please don't, that seems very rude, honestly, but uh, it made me pick the, you know, the record uh, a month from now after the Nebraska game. I think I'd probably go eight and four, split the difference on the remaining four games, um, which two they win, which two they lose. I, I think the Rutgers and Nebraska games are the ones that give me the most pause because those are the teams with the best defenses. So you're, you're taking an Iowa offense that's already, you know, extremely challenged when it comes to moving the ball and scoring points. And then they're actually going to play a defense that's good at preventing teams from, you know, opposing offenses from doing what they want to do. That worries me. So those are the games where I have the highest concern factor. Um, But, uh, you know, I think we'll just have to wait and see if, you know, hopefully the offense can find something that works on this bye week and, and when they come back in November. Because there was just nothing working these last two weeks, guys. I mean, that you all you watched it you saw in madison and then against minnesota like it was it was so bad we're 25 percent of the time when they were running the ball in madison and that's it right but through the i mean through the air like they are one incredible catch from deontay vines away from just absolutely looking more inept than they already look like this well, is... and the the uh, the Stilianos catch that maybe shouldn't have been a catch at the at the end of the game. I mean, the that's what that's what it's taking for the passing game to have success is some just incredible individual efforts from the uh, the pass catchers, which it's tough to rely on that. You know, that's just not a very bankable formula. Sorry, go ahead, <laughs> Elliot. I think that was Addison Ostrango, but uh, oh, sorry, yeah, you no, know, yeah, you're good. That yeah, that probably shouldn't have been a catch. But like this is, it's it's like there's there's almost no words for it at this point. You think dumbfounding. You think, uh, I I mean, clearly there's no words for it besides dumbfounding. <laughs> I mean, it's just amazing. Like, how do you not look at this and say we need to do something different? I mean, for two years in a row, I just don't get it. I, I just really don't. And Adam, you look like you had something to say. Yeah, I, all I was going to add is, as Ross said, a lot of the successes came from really great plays or or unusually good plays by the receivers. And when you look at it, the way that the receivers have played, especially with drops and all of that, you can't rely on them to save this passing game by themselves and that's unfortunate too is that you know it's one thing if the quarterback is struggling and and that is clearly happening with Deacon Hill already but if you layer on top of that the fact that when he does put balls where they need to be when he does put them on the receiver's hands half the time it's still hitting the turf anyway you know at, at that point and I'm not saying this to absolve Brian Ferentz in the slightest because it, it's pretty clear that even if the receivers are making those catches, the offense isn't where it needs to be. But the fact that the receivers aren't making plays on a consistent level yet, they're just not. It's 
it's a few things. Consistent isn't one of them. <laughs> the fact that that is worked into it too means that, you know, you just have to, when you take that step back, it just doesn't look like anybody's set up to succeed in this offense. And it's honestly, I was the, the news that I was bracing myself for this week wasn't that Noah Shannon wouldn't be reinstated. It was that Brian Ferentz was just going to resign and and make all this stop for his dad. That's I expected that more <laughs> from this week. No, it, it I, I'm, I'm being dead serious when I say that. That's I'm that's not a joke. I I because say what you will about about Brian Ferentz, but he is a guy of some standing or, or of some stand up morals. Right. I don't think he's a bad guy. I don't think he's, you know, he, he's got a temper, but I don't think that he would hold the program hostage by himself. It, 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 that part has never tracked to me logically, just like it's never tracked to me that, that Kirk would resign is as soon as his kid got fired. Right. That, that's an argument that people have never heard from me because it's never made sense to me. And I don't think it's going to get to that point. But I also think that the way that it doesn't get to that point is that Brian would be able to read the writing on the wall and be like, none of this is worth it. None of this is making me happy in any way, shape or form. And it's it's doing the kids a disservice for me to keep being a distraction for the last four games of the season. That's what I was half expecting this entire time especially when they didn't let any of the coordinators or any of the assistants talk to us this week. And yeah, not thrilled about that part either. But I also get how much of a distraction that that would turn into. But the fact that it is a distraction, his very presence would lead me to believe that on some level, somebody in Iowa City would say, this is not, (laughs) there's no upside, right? Now, the question, if that were to happen over the next few weeks, he decides to just resign, be done with it. Who becomes OC? Who calls plays? John Budmeyer? He's like I don't I don't know what the other option is. Is Budmeyer actually on staff though? He's a special assistant to Kirk. I guess I guess that applies more to recruitment or what they can do in terms of recruiting than probably potentially like game day activities. Um, I know he's up in the booth for game days. Right. I, I would have guessed Kelton Copeland. Like it's it's usually somebody else dealing with skill position players that moves in whenever an offensive coordinator moves out. But but that's a guess. And you I was know, gonna say, would they would they put the wide receivers coach for the group that like like I would say probably Liddell Betts or or Abdul sure. Hodge. I could, I could see it. I, yeah, I could see both of those too. Um, but you know, there's there's also not a, a great correlation between how well a you know a position unit does, especially a position unit that has so little experience as Iowa's wide receivers do, and whether or not like Copeland would be a good or a bad play caller. And also, you know, it, it's also coming down to the fact that they're running a Kirk Ferentz offense. So 
Uh, if, and, if Brian wants to step away, okay, great, but you're you're still running the same playbook that's been around more or less unchanged since 1999. You know, well, and on top of that, you know, in this you know hypothetical situation, which I hadn't even considered before five minutes ago, and now my my mind is spinning. <laughs> um, but yeah, doesn't it seem likely that Kirk would be a little bit more heavy-handed in terms of? Uh, you know, game day and and the play calling. Like, I'm not saying he's going to be calling every, you know, second nine or whatever, but, you know, it feels like he'd be more involved than he is with Brian, where there's certainly, you know, a, a trust in terms of, you know, where, where they're going to go and what they're calling. But um, I was thinking I don't that, that. I was thinking that I, too, Ross. Yeah, and, and I don't know that Kirk being more involved in the offense is a good thing. <laughs> my, <laughs> Probably not. My reaction is not. <laughs> the The other thing about the possibility of going to a position coach is, is like the optics of putting Kelton Copeland in that position or, you know, maybe not necessarily George Barnett. I, I, I just feel like the move is one is Liddell bets one because he – has had some success. I mean, he was a really good player at Iowa, went on to play in the NFL. And the the running back group hasn't been phenomenal, but it's been it's not, you know, they're not all hurt one if you go look at the tight ends. And uh Caleb Johnson had a great freshman season. Uh LeSean Williams looked pretty good a couple weeks ago. Jazz Patterson now back to 100%. I, I, and again, very hypothetical situation. This isn't something that's been substantiated at all other than in this conversation. So I, I would think it'd be Bud or be Betts. I, I would go between one of those two. I just think the optics of a Kelton Copeland <laughs> promotion probably I, wouldn't be I, great. I see what you're saying, but also I think if there's one coach that cares extremely little about optics, it's Kirk Ferentz. So like if for some. <laughs> if for some reason he thought Copeland was the best choice to be the play caller, I think he'd do it. But I, I see what you're saying about Bud Meyer and Betts for sure too. Like I, I, I totally get that logic also. Well, gentlemen, uh, we said it was gonna we were gonna keep it short. We're about forty minutes in. Anything else on either of the topics at hand before we get out of here and uh, and move on to this weekend? Hashtag free Noah Shannon. That's all I got. Absolutely. Enjoy the uh, enjoy the bye week, gentlemen. You as well. Oh, we guys. are. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I will not be at a game this weekend for uh, Friday Night Football as I am enjoying the bye week, getting out of town and going to visit some family. But we'll be back at it once again next week for those of you who do pay attention to recruiting as closely as they possibly can. I will try to get a live stream in on the way down and, and maybe have uh, the girlfriend drive while I'm trying to watch some football. We'll see how, we'll see how that shakes out, but either way, we're still going to be getting you great content on Iowa.rivals.com. Come back on Sunday slash Monday, whenever we get the podcast out, because Adam Ross and I are going to be hitting men's and women's basketball season previews as it is the bye week for football. So very excited about that. I'm going to be getting you some basketball content here soon, as well as Adam will too. Um, football or, um, wrestling media day tomorrow as well. Adam will be there for that. So Adam's all over the place right now doing, uh, doing the Lord's work covering Iowa Hawkeye sports. <laughs> yeah, I, I, 
I, I've never heard driving on I-80 five times a week as the Lord's work before. Like, you know, I'm 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 willing to do whatever the Lord asks. Right. The Lord works in mysterious <laughs> ways, Adam. That he does. That he does. With with a Subaru. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll wrap it up there. We appreciate you tuning into this episode of Hotcast brought to you by iowa.rivals.com. If you're not a premium subscriber yet, you can do that at iowa.rivals.com backslash subscribe. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you're listening, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, et cetera. Et cetera. And if you're on YouTube, drop that like, drop a comment. Tell us what you're thinking about the whole Noah Shannon ordeal, the remainder of the season, and who you would have be offensive coordinator if Brian Ferentz decided to step away at this point in time. But for now... We'll see you next time.